This is Old News, a podcast where we take the Old Testament and we apply it to youth ministry. Welcome. Open your Bibles. to the very first ever episode of Old News, a podcast where we spend time thinking about the Old Testament and its relevance directly to youth ministry, thinking about some of the harder texts and harder themes that we find in the Old Testament and understanding that they are things that are relevant to us now, that they're texts and concepts that are helpful for the lives of our youth and helpful uh, for us as teachers of the word to be engaging with and to be talking to our youth about. Why do a podcast like this? Well, I think one of the big reasons why we need to do a podcast like this is that there are a bunch of texts in the Old Testament that we never engage with in our youth ministries or never engage with uh, in a way that goes a little bit deeper than the first couple of chapters of Hosea. I think these texts are full of rich concepts and rich information about the way in which our God works, the way in which our God has worked through history and will continue to work through history. I think the texts that help us to understand Jesus better, and I think we need to take these and look at them and think about our youth ministry, think about our youth kids, what's going on in their lives, and and put this information in their hands. And so we're going to spend time having conversations, uh, having uh, times thinking carefully Uh, about how we can take these texts and do just that. Who am I? My name is Tom Elms. Uh, I'm a graduate of YouthWorks College. I'm currently doing some more study at SNBC, uh, and I'm just about to finish a Bachelor of Arts at Sydney Uni focusing in Classical Hebrew. And so I've got a deep interest in both youth ministry and the practice and teaching of youth ministry and and doing that effectively, uh, and also equipping my youth leaders well Uh, And then also really interested in uh, Hebrew and the Old Testament and particularly uh, Old Testament prophetic texts, the law, some of these really deep kind of Jewish cultural concepts uh, that I think are really relevant to us, that are really helpful to us. And so I'm going to try and marry these two passions in trying to ensure that we take these texts and apply them into our youth ministry. What is this podcast not going to be? This podcast is not going to be a deep, difficult, theological concept uh, focus with lots of jargon. The other thing this podcast isn't going to be is a replacement for the Bible Project. Uh, I would really love you to watch the, particularly watch their videos uh, explaining books of the Bible in conjunction with these podcasts. I think they will give you more deep knowledge. They'll probably help you to understand some of the context behind some of the things that I say. After today, it's just going to be me talking about uh, the book that we're looking at today, but my hope is that for future podcasts, it's going to be me and a combination of uh, a couple of other people, not necessarily experts in the field, but people who are involved in youth ministry, care about youth ministry and think about it a lot, uh, and that we'll have a conversation together. But for today, it's just going to be me, uh, and we're going to be thinking about the book of Obadiah. 
Uh, Obadiah is a book that I think many people would freak out if they were asked to find it in the Bible quickly. Uh, I think I probably know more people or have met more people called Obadiah than I know people who have spoken on Obadiah. But I think that's a great tragedy. And I think uh, that this is a book that is important, that it's rich, it's something that we need to care about. And so we're going to look at it today. We're not going to look at it because... Uh, it's an easy first one. I don't think it is an easy first one. It may be short, but there's some important stuff in here. Um, but we're going to look at it and see the richness of the restoration that God will achieve, uh, but also the response that God has to great pride in the world. So how about we jump into that? Obadiah is a really interesting little book. Uh, it's a book written by a prophet that we don't really know much more about than that his name was Obadiah. We know that Obadiah means servant of God, and that's kind of about it. Uh, we're not really entirely sure when this text was written. There's lots of different theories for it. Uh, I'm not sure it's it really matters a whole bunch. I don't think it changes what this book is all about. Stylistically, uh, it's quite a nice little prophet to start with. Uh, it's consistent. It's the ho the whole whole style is in prophetic poetry, uh, and so it's it's fairly consistent in getting its message across. Once you start reading it, you kind of start to get the hang of it. Uh, so contextually, we have a text that is talking about a time, uh, probably during or post the Babylonian exile. Uh, Obadiah is bringing a message from God to the nation of Edom, uh, one of Israel's neighbouring nations. Uh, Edom has kind of taken advantage of the weakness of Judah uh, following and during the exile. Uh, and so they've kind of come in, they've uh, pillaged a bunch of cities, they've taken advantage of weakness, they've taken uh, a bunch of stuff for themselves, conquered some lands, uh, and now uh, they're being judged for that. Uh, and as we, most of us will know, uh, Edom is kind of the brother nation to Israel, uh, descended traditionally from uh, Esau, the brother of Jacob. And so it's kind of a family dispute that has gone on for generations, right? Like two brothers who haven't gotten along. We now have two nations that don't get along. Uh, and so Edom has kind of taken advantage of Israel in its time of destruction, specifically the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, as the Babylonians have taken them off into exile. Uh, and so God is judging them for that. And that is what this first section uh, is about. I would separate Obadiah into two main sections, uh, verses 1 to 14 and verses 16 to 21. Uh, I'm not really sure where to put verse 15. Uh, Tim Mackey kind of suggests that this is a hinge verse that holds it together. I think that might be a good solution, uh, but I, I'm not really convinced of where I should be putting this verse. Uh, and so I might attach it uh, to either, kind of depending on uh, how I'm going to go about speaking on this passage uh, at a youth group. So the, the first section uh, is all about the uh, judgment that seems to be about to be poured out on Edom. Uh, Yahweh is expressing uh, some of the things uh, that are negative in their character. He's talking about the pride of their hearts. Uh, Edom is a nation that kind of has a bunch of high places that make it really easy to defend and he's jumping on that. Uh, the clefts of the rocks in verse 3, you make your home on the heights and you say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? We see that Edom is a nation of great pride, uh, so much so 
the, uh, this image of an eagle soaring and making its nest on the stars is describing the way that Edom thinks of itself. But then we see that while Edom is great and seems to have a lot to be prideful of, they're going to be judged and they're going to be brought back down. Uh, in the same way that thieves come in the night, this kind of hidden judgment, this unexpected judgment that they obviously can't see is coming because of their pride is going to come for them. And in that day, uh, verse 8, jumping on day, which is going to be a theme that comes up regularly in the prophets, uh, there is going to be a destruction of the wise men of Edom, uh, of their warriors, uh, of all the things that they consider to be strong about themselves. Uh, that they are a boastful nation, but they're going to be judged for this. They're going to be judged for the fact that their pride uh, has been in the material things of the world or in themselves, and that ultimately there's a few things that that pride has led to. That pride has led them to do horrific things to their brother nation, Israel, uh, to the city of Jerusalem, to the surrounding cities, that in their pride they've seen an opportunity to take advantage of the weak, and they have done that, and now they are being judged for it. Their sin is that they have, they have gloated in their own strength, they've gloated in the destruction of a neighbouring country, and that they have then taken advantage of the weak. And I think this is a really uh, important section for us. And I would probably split Obadiah into two sections to preach because of it. Uh, and that's that pride is such a damaging thing in the world today. See, the pride of Edom, it, it's not unique to Edom. We're seeing here a, a feeling that we're all familiar with. And it's a feeling that our youth are familiar with. When they look at the world, they see great power and how power manifests itself. Uh, they see in their friends the way in which those who are strong are prideful, they're good at things, they're, they're smart, they're wealthy, they're strong, and we seek to find our security and find our glory and our pride in those things. And so just like the nation of Edom, we have a temptation to turn and take advantage of the weak. In fact, in our world, it's, it's encouraged, right? Like we have all these movies uh, about Wall Street or about great uh, people, uh, the Kardashians, all these different kind of things that are hitting people. And they're seeing what is great in the world is being defined by your own personal success, probably most often in a, in a monetary sense. And so we have people, we have youth kids who are being torn from pillar to post, kind of trying to work out where they fit in, where they find their pride. And this is a passage, this is a section of the word that speaks to that. And it speaks to it in a couple of ways. And that's because clearly Edom is being positioned in this passage as an enemy of the people of God. That Edom's sin is being positioned against those who God would call his own. Against those who would then choose to side with him, who would choose to follow him. And that's where we've got to kind of be careful of something that we might be tempted to do here. Is these sins that are being talked about, we want to be careful about immediately making them about us. Because we're followers of, of Jesus and, and therefore we're people who are of God, we're with him. 
And so this, this sin that's being talked about here, yeah, we can apply it to us, but it is very clearly talking about a group of people who are the enemies of God. And coming to terms with the fact that those people are going to do bad things to God's people. That the pride of the strong, the pride of the wealthy, the pride of the wise will eventually come for those who follow the one true God, those who follow Christ. And we experience that today. And our youth kids experience that today. And so we need to make this real for them, but not be so tempted to jump this straight into a doctrine of personal sin. That we understand that in the world there are going to be the enemies of God. But ultimately what we see here is then God's sovereign justice on those people. That God is a just God who understands what is going on here and who deals with it directly. And I think that's really important. I think it's important because it's a weapon that we can put in the hands of our youth, that they know that they have a just, true, caring God uh, who is going to deal justice on those who are the enemies of his people. It might not come in the way that we want it to right now. A lightning bolt's not going to come down from heaven, but ultimately there will be a time of justice. And so if I was going to do a first kind of youth talk from Obadiah, that's what I'd be talking about. I'll be talking about that we believe in a strong God, a God who has so much strength that he will deal with injustice in the world and ultimately that he is definitely going to do that. But what Christ has done for us is ensured that we are now capable, and this is where the personal sin can come in, that we're capable of not being on that side. That now we can choose to be one of God's people, to stand with him, and instead of being the the kind of actor of justice against us, he's the actor of justice for us, that we desire justice for his people, that we desire justice for him, and so we desire his righteous justice in the world, that now we stand with him, that now he's a protector of ours, uh, and it's through the saving uh, blood of Christ that, that when we turn to him and we choose him, we can now make the move to stand with him. And that we no longer face the punishment that we deserve for our pride and strength in wealth and in wisdom. That we can now stand uh, as one of his people. I, I think that's more than enough to talk about uh, in the time. Uh, you can definitely do this whole book in, in one talk. But I, I just think that we might lose some opportunity to really dwell on what's going on here when it comes to judgment and also when it comes to understanding sovereignty. And this is really a, a really great passage uh, about the sovereignty of God, that while his people may suffer at times and may be taken advantage of, ultimately those who are the enemies of God's people who take advantage of the weak are going to be judged. And, and I think this is a really powerful section of God's word in working out how we deal with that. This is the point where verse 15 becomes quite interesting. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. Uh, a little bit of Hebrew parallelism in there. Uh, the day of the Lord is near for all nations, emphasizing that this judgment that is coming, that we kind of saw in section one, uh, is targeted at Edom. 
uh, is actually, we were, we were right, it is about all nations. It's a judgment that will come against all those who find themselves opposed to the nation of Yahweh. And I think <clears throat> verse 15 is, is helpful for starting the second section if we we're going to preach it in two halves, uh, because it is kind of reorientating us, uh, getting our head back into that theme of this day of judgment that we saw in section one. Uh, and then we see kind of open up into section two, where judgment will abound, all will be dealt with. It reminds us, reminds the youth of what we were talking about potentially the week before. But then in verse 17, we see that this judgment that abounds in all places, it doesn't come for God's people. But instead, but on Mount Zion, will be delivered. It will be holy. And Jacob will possess his inheritance, the nation of Jacob, Israel, which now comes to represent this sign of the cross. All of God's people will be strengthened, will be delivered in this fortress that is Mount Zion. And that the possession will be held, that Jacob will be fire, that Joseph will be flame. Uh, these symbols for Israel are now in their glory. And that Edom, though it's early Earthly strength is impressive and it boasts of that. At this time will result in it being nothing but rubble. As will all pride that's found in a name other than the ultimate one true God. Other than in our case found in the name of Jesus. But now we start to move from judgment and understanding judgment that we were focused on in the first section and seeing judgment now being contrasted against the restoration that will come for God's people. The kingdom will be the Lord's is the statement that rings out from verse 21 as we see God in his sovereignty will establish his kingdom on Mount Zion. Zion, this mountain that comes to represent God's place where he will be with a great uh, final temple will be where God will dwell and create a fortress for himself. We see that the kingdom that he will reign and the kingdom will come. And see, from the start of this book to the finish, we see the sovereignty of God. We see that while humans will consistently try to force their own will in the world, ultimately, whether it is by judgment or now in this case, restoration, God's will for the world will be achieved. And while in the first section, we thought about how the youth can view God's justice in the world, now in the second section, they see that it isn't just God's judgment on those who don't follow him, but the ultimate phenomenal restoration that comes for those who do. That for his people, for those who find themselves exiled, they will come back together. And I love this imagery in verses 19 to 21 of the scattered people coming to occupy the fertile land. Uh, I love that the tribe of Benjamin, which is the tribe that stood by Judah in the southern kingdom, uh, is mentioned as coming to in possession of the land of Gilead. Uh, this company of Israelite exiles who are in Canaan will possess the land as far as Zarephath. And, and while these geographic places may not have meaning here, look them up and, and you'll see uh, a map might be useful for giving an idea of just how much 
ground is being covered, uh, and that it's really significant ground and significant for God's people. Uh, God's people will take back the land that belongs to him, and for us now talking to our youth, we can take that image of the promised land and apply it to the kingdom. That we will reclaim this world, that the world will be restored and remade into the kingdom that is God's. And that it is through the work of Christ once again that we are able to be on his side. That we are able to cast away pride. That when we choose Christ, we are choosing to avoid the justice of God that we deserve. That all nations will suffer on the great day of the Lord. And instead, we are part of the restoration. That God is going to make the world right again. And that we see the image here of his kingdom being formed as people reclaim the land. And ultimately, the kingdom will be the Lord's. And it's a really phenomenal uh, image, I think. I think it's a, an image that gives us a lot of strength, that can give us a lot of uh, courage. And I think it's an image that when contrasted against the judgment of God, we see how phenomenal the restoration is. And this is why it's important, I think, that we've spent uh, a much larger amount of time really talking about this judgment as we've pulled apart uh, the, start, the first half, especially of Obadiah. And that we've seen the judgment of God and understand its terror and its completeness in his sovereignty. And that it will be on all things that stand against him and choose to take pride in themselves and in their wisdom and wealth and strength. And that that judgment will be complete and final. And it is then against this that we get to see the full glory of restoration. And this is something that's going to be really common in prophetic literature. And it's why it's really important that we talk about God's judgment. And, and this will be a theme as we look at more books and as we, we work through different things and spend some time thinking about judgment, is that we get to see the full glory of God's restoration for his people, that he is faithful to them and that he will care for them. And while there may be a time when the world attacks and while the world seems to take over, ultimately God's kingdom will reign. Obadiah is a book that gives me hope. Hope in the face of a prideful world that would put itself before me at every opportunity. But I find my pride, my strength, my glory and what has been done for me, that I will be one of God's people, that the achievement of Christ, that I can be one of his people, means that I stand opposed to the enemies of God, that I stand on his side, even though I belong to be, I deserve to belong to them. And so therefore, I can look forward to the restoration of God's people on the final day. And I think this hope is what can make us secure. And I think it is the key reason why we need to preach Obadiah to our youth ministry. You could preach it in two talks. You could preach it in one. You could preach it when talking about uh, the phenomenal restoration and hope that we have in the future kingdom. Please, please consider adding this into one of your term planners uh, or speaking about it on a, on a weekend away or on a camp. Uh, I think this is a book that provides us with so much hope and it really helps us to understand the work of Christ, not in the specifics of what he did, but part of what he has achieved for us. That, that we get to stand with him, that we now get to, through him taking the punishment for our sins, not have to stand with Edom and with the nation's we're to be judged and treated with the righteous justice of God that we deserve, but instead that we now get to stand with him, that we get to be 
uh, on Mount Zion, delivered, cared for, living in the kingdom of God where he is king and all things are good again. And that is why I want you to be preaching Obadiah to youth. Because if you put it in their hands, it will give them strength by the Spirit to turn and see the pride of the world. And know that not only do they not need to become part of that, but they don't need to be afraid of it. This has been a presentation from Old News Bible. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do that at oldnewsbible at gmail.com. All quotes from the Bible were taken from the New International Version 2011. And the music is Amber by Drake Stafford.